know some things I've done are just plain old foolish. Can we, can we say it? It's like we don't want to admit, oh, baby, that was just wrong. I probably just should not have done that. I probably just should not have been there. I probably just should not have gone there. A lot of the things that bring shame onto us are simply staying there so long because we're just unable to say that was stupid. You shouldn't have done it. But, but, but it's okay. It's not the end of the world. That thing cannot take from you anymore. If you are out of it, it should be out of you. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Soul Care. If this is your very first time joining us, welcome to the Cozy Family. Today we are talking about quieting shame. Quieting shame. And to kick us off today, I'm going to read a passage from Genesis 3 to 13. And this is the story called The Temptation and Fall of Man. So this is after God has created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, who we know as Adam, and then woman, who we now know as Eve. But at this time of the story, she has not yet gotten her name. So she is the woman in this story. And after God created the heavens, the earth, the animals, everything, he created man and said, it is not good that man would be alone. And I just want to kick this off by saying if you feel alone, if you feel like you are by yourself, if you feel like you have nobody supporting you, I just want to tell you that God is with you and God is for you. There are so many things that the enemy uses to make us feel alone in this world, but the tactic that he uses to make us feel like we're by ourselves, like our back is against a wall, is one of the most cruel because it feels so dark. It feels so empty. It feels like you're being cornered in. But we just want to be that family for you and also let you know that it is a trick. It is a tactic. It is not the truth. You are not alone. God is always with you. You can have no friends by you and God is always with you. You can have nobody in sight and God is always with you. So y'all, let's kick it off with our scripture reading from Genesis 3, the temptation and fall of man. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sued fig trees 
fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, look here y'all, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Amen. And y'all was pausing because Adam just right off bat, it was Eve, Eve's fault. Eve's fault wasn't me, but Eve actually, come on, this is a whole nother topic in itself, should have heard the call from her husband Baby, don't eat that. Don't eat that fruit. That's, that's not for us to eat. God actually told me we should not eat that. But there were no uh, recollections of that. So he had to say it was her. It was all her fault. That was it. But, y'all, this is, to me, the first sin. Not only that, but it is the first time I see the feeling of shame in the book of the Bible. And shame is such an interesting feeling because it is one that can be so heavy on you or one that can come from others doing something to you or you seeing something or you being a part of something or your actions alone. It's a feeling that's very tricky. And when I was studying this verse in the Bible, It showed me that the first thing that shame makes you want to do is hide. When God calls out to Adam, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And this to me shows me that one of the tactics of the feeling of shame is to make you feel like you no longer deserve what God just gave you. You no longer deserve that freedom of being. They were naked. That's how we were meant to be out here. (laughs) They were naked and unashamed and unafraid. But as soon as sin entered in, they became scared. They became afraid. And it says that he hid himself, was hiding himself from the presence of God simply because he knew he disobeyed something that God told him not to do. And when I think of the feeling of shame... It comes with so many other things, like sadness, like grief, like guilt. Shame does not come alone, it brings friends. And today I wanna talk about quieting shame because it is ridiculous that as people of God, that as heirs of the kingdom and all the dominion around us, that we would feel shame about anything that we've ever been through knowing that we were born into sin. So today we're going to quiet shame. I want to kick us off. I guess we already kicked it off with the verse, but with a prayer to just 
let you know that this is a safe place and we're entering into a time of release, a time of revealing truth to you, and a time that I pray makes you leave better than you came. Heavenly Father, I just pray for whoever is on the other side of this screen, the other side of this message, oh God. Father, I pray that you work a good work in our hearts, that the spirit of shame is lifted off of whoever is listening to this in the name of Jesus. Lord, we exalt you over all, that our actions do not make us who we are. The one who created us, the one who formed us, the one who loves us and blesses us every day with life. You are the one who is going to speak a better word over us today. Father, I surrender all to you in this moment, saying, have your way, great God. You have been so gentle with me. Father, show this gentleness to somebody who needs it. Show them who they are without shame. May we leave this moment bolder, brighter, dreaming again, loving again, knowing that we can handle anything that comes our way because we are more than conquerors through you who strengthens us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So shame is one feeling that, if not dealt with, can cause generations of pain. The seed of shame may just start as a small thought of a mistake that you cannot undo. And most of us, I would like to say, are either living in the past or pining over what is going to happen in the future. Very few people are living in the now of their lives. And I know there are things you wish you would have done better. I know there are things that you're looking forward to. But when we rob ourselves of being in today, of being in the now, we rob ourselves of the very essence of what our true life was made to be. And that was having enough for today. And that was knowing that this is the day that the Lord has made. We can rejoice. We can be glad. We don't got to worry about what happened. And we don't got to worry about what's coming because we have dominion over everything. And we've got power. There are a lot of people who look like they have power. And then there are people who have power and walk in that power. Don't let money, don't let things, don't let accolades confuse you with who has power and who does not. I've seen people that are billionaires commit, them, commit suicide. I've seen people that have money and jewels and cars and clothes kill themselves because the now was not enough. The now did not feel good, so it robbed them of their future. And we just wanna stand up in this moment and say no more. There have been too many babies killing themselves, kids under 12 killing themselves because they don't think they have what it takes now to live in the moment and be unashamed and naked and unafraid. And the very essence of soul care, something that has become the foundation of soul care is the idea of being naked with God. When I study scripture today, I read about so many people going through life covering themselves and feeling shame and feeling guilt and being accused by others. And one of the names that we call for the enemy is the accuser of brethren, the accuser of the brethren. And what he likes to do is accuse you, bring up things that you've done, bring up things that haven't even happened, that might happen, that you fear. But really it's just a lie, really it's just a thought from the enemy. 
And today we just want to dismantle every lie that you have believed, every piece of shame that may be on you, because shame isn't something we talk about often because it ain't pretty to feel shame. You hide yourself when you feel shame. You don't come out when you feel shame, but I hear for somebody that it's time for you to come out again because the past does not define you and you have no idea how beautiful the future God has for you is. What we do after the realization of a mistake is what makes all the difference. There are people who are successful who have billion dollar corporations now that have experienced more failure than the person who failed once and just stopped. What you do after the realization of a mistake can make the difference between what you get to inherit and what you get to see versus what you get to soak in and say was your mistake the one that you just couldn't get over. In order to quiet shame, you must learn the art of what I like to call the holy clap back to every negative thought. And I'm going to back this up with some scripture for y'all. In 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 5, it reads, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And you might ask yourself, what is that like to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ? So I want to read Ephesians 1, 4 and 7 and give you guys some scripture to back this up. This is entitled Redemption in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Skipping to verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, meaning that before you ever felt the feeling of shame, God chose you. Before you ever knew what it felt to feel sorry for yourself, God chose you. Before you ever knew what it felt to miss a mark, God chose you. And that brings me to what the actual meaning of sin is. A lot of people think sin is a certain thing that you do or a specific thing that someone has done or just an act that, ooh, that just, that don't look holy. That's a sin. No. Sin, the very definition of sin is to fall short, is to miss the mark. And not the mark that God, that people have set on your life, but the mark that God has set on your life to sin. So when you sin, you might say like someone has sinned against you. But really, the place I've gotten to my life is saying, it's not even someone sinning against me. Baby, if you sin against me, you're sinning against God. When God has chosen you, if someone is messing with you, if someone is accusing you, if someone is coming against you, they are not coming against you simply. They are coming against God. And let me tell you that he is a way maker, miracle worker, God of love, God of peace, but he's also the God of war. The God that says, that is my baby girl. She is not going to feel shame ever again. I'm going to come down and meet with her. 
that is my man of God. I ordained him to live a life of miracles, a life of signs and sounds and wonders. I will not allow him to be in the pit of shame. Today, God wants you to come out of the pit of shame, to come out of the very thing that tried to tell you you can't go on or you're not enough or you won't finish it or you won't make it or you're not going to make them proud. You will, you can, and you are going to. It is not over for you because shame does not have the final say. Shame does not have the final say. A person who learns positive self-talk and self-control is a very dangerous individual. And one thing I think we don't talk about enough is self-control. It's like we are led by our feelings, our emotions, our wants, so much so that there are people suffering from the addiction of porn, suffering from the addiction of drugs, suffering from alcoholism. Because we're led by our feelings, our desires. I just want to feel so good. I just want to feel good. But what feels good now is causing people to live in an eternity of pain. What feels good now is causing someone to go out of their mind, to not be in their right mind because they don't have a sense of who they are anymore. A person who can learn positive self-talk, who can shut down the negative thoughts. And what we read says bringing every thought. So you have to be almost like a monitor on your thoughts and say, that was a nasty thought. I don't like it. That was a negative thought. I don't like it. Pull these thoughts. I started doing this exercise that I just treat my thoughts like butterflies. And they're flying around. And some stay. Some I let sit. But others, I, I, just, I just do this, and they go away. You have power over what you think, over how you act, over what you entertain. One thing I realized is that when you give your power of control over to the enemy, he will do his greatest to not just control you, but make you think that you will never never, ever, ever recover. The enemy comes to do three things, and that's to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes when we think of stealing, we think of simply tangible things. But how many people have, have, have had their peace taken from them? How many people have had their joy taken from them, their sanity taken from them, their livelihood taken from them? The enemy doesn't just Take your house, baby. The enemy does not want your car. He's after your mind. He's after your sanity. He's after your knowledge of kingdom and generational wealth. And this is something that if we don't acknowledge at the root, we will continue to say, no, look at the fruit. The fruit's good, so it's good. No. If you aren't in charge here, you will never see wealth in the way that you can see it in this lifetime. You keep your power close when you realize, though I can never go back in time to change what I've done or what may have been done to me, I have the power to forgive myself now and free myself to enjoy the future and mo more importantly, the now. When I realize that I cannot go back in time, so that desire should not even be in my mind to do. All I can do is say from here, from this moment we're in, from all that I've learned, from all that my mistakes have taught me, 
from all that the betrayal has taught me, betrayal of self, betrayal from friends, whatever it may be, can you start from this moment afresh and say that this is a new day for me? Shame, get off of me. Shame, be removed from me. Don't allow what happened in the past to dictate how you're going to step into your future because you are in charge of how you step into your future. And it can be better than anything you've ever seen in your past. Have you forgiven those who may have hurt you or do you still have a fresh cringe when you hear their names? If you've gone through something that hurts you, if you've been hurt by others, if you've had a heinous act done to you, have you forgiven this person? And I don't mean are they still in your life? Because a lot of people confuse forgiving someone with allowing someone back into your space. I forgive you, baby, but I still need, a, I still need 50 feet between me and you. I forgive you, but I'm not calling you anymore. I forgive you, but I see that number and it's uh no. Forgiveness does not mean you can come back. <laughs> Forgiveness means, baby, God bless you, and I wish you the best from the bottom of my heart. Don't confuse forgiveness with your inability to let someone back in your life, or I should say your ability to let someone back into your life. And Going deeper, have you forgiven yourself for being ignorant, naive, or just plain old foolish? A lot of the times, I would try to sit and come up with some very deep answer of why I did something or maybe why someone did something to me. And sometimes, I had no answer. And I had to just come up with the fact that some things I've been through, some things I've done are just plain old foolish. Can we, can we say it? It's like we don't want to admit, oh, baby, that was just wrong. I probably just should not have done that. I probably just should not have been there. I probably just should not have gone there. A lot of the things that bring shame onto us are simply staying there so long because we're just unable to say that was stupid. You shouldn't have done it. But, but, but it's okay. It's not the end of the world. That thing cannot take from you anymore. If you are out of it, it should be out of you. And there are some things that are harder to forget than others, some people that are harder to forgive than others. But have the moment with yourself and say, God, one of the ways God shows up is as a consuming fire. And as I dealt with thoughts and feelings of shame, I said, God, come into my mind as a consuming fire and burn it all away. Burn it all away. Burn it all away every shame, every blame, burn it all away. Because it's not me. It's not me now. And if it's not me now, it doesn't deserve to be in me now. It doesn't deserve my time now. It doesn't deserve my good energy now. And some of the hardest things to do in this life are just you versus you. Have you forgiven yourself for being naive? Have you forgiven yourself for the mistake? Have you forgiven yourself for not knowing? Have you forgiven yourself? Sometimes it's just that. And sometimes the quickest way to quiet shame is having the strength to just admit, although it may sound simple, that I just, I wasn't as wise. You don't have to go ahead and say you were stupid because you aren't. But I made a bad choice. I fell short. I messed up. 
whatever you want to fill in the blank on that, you are not perfect, and that is what makes you beautiful. Once Adam and Eve sinned, we became a people that were born into sin, meaning that the very thing that God would want us to do, maybe the very thing that we don't want to do, not because we hate God and we just want to rebel, but because that became the nature of mankind. And we here now, so you're going to say to yourself, I know I've been through a lot. I know I've done a lot. I know I've been a lot of places I wish I wouldn't have gone. But from this moment on, can I clothe myself back as the royal priesthood of God? Can I clothe myself back as one adopted by God into his family to be holy and blameless before him? God chose you knowing everything you would go through, and he still wants you. Some people think, why would God want me? I'm messed up. Baby, I'm messed up too. We all messed up. From the pulpit to the doctor to the lawyer, we all messed up. And we like to look like we have it all together, but baby, up here, oh, we've all been a little jacked up. And if you can't admit that, then you can't be real. Be real with yourself and say that even me, even now, I still am going to see the goodness of God in my life. Not because I deserve it by man's standards, but because God chose me as his child to give me a good inheritance. Once you decide to take the sting out of shame, y'all, I got to put on the scarf, honey. Sorry. <laughs> once you decide to take the sting out of shame is once you get your power back. Once you say shame, you have no say over what I do today, you got your power back. And are you at that point? Only you can answer that. Once you are inner rich with new thoughts and strategy for the future, you will be able to say, that isn't me anymore. And when who I call the accuser of the brethren comes and says, remember this, Remember this? Remember when this happened? Remember when you did this? Remember when they did this to you? You say, that isn't me anymore, and I don't care anymore. You have to learn to just say no to a thought. Just say no and shut it out. Just say no and shut it out. And no matter how many times you got to do that, be real with yourself and say, I'll go through it. And as long as I grow through it, we're going to be all right, and we're going to make it through. Because every day is a new opportunity to look forward. And I know that might sound cliche to some, but every single day of life, every single day with breath in your lungs is a new opportunity to look forward. Beware of the negative self-talk that you can have. Because there's a scripture and it says, as a man thinketh, so is he. What you think about yourself is far more important than what people think about you because what you think about you creates your real reality. So if you let the thoughts of others permeate your mind more than your thoughts of you, you will only be a reflection of what they wanted to happen to you, not the thoughts of what God is trying and desiring to plant into you. Do the people around you talk more about the past than they do the future? And this only you can answer. Do your friends always talk about, girl, I wish we were back in blank. Girl, remember when blank? Girl, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I had to start boop, 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 shutting it off. Because do you live in the past or do you live in the now? 
I need people that are looking ahead. I need people around me that are looking to the future. I need people around me that are willing to say, yeah, that happened. It was good or bad, but baby, we on to bigger and better things. Yeah, I did that, but we on to bigger and better things. Yeah, they did that to me, but we on to bigger and better things. Do the people around you cause you to look back more than they do cause you to look ahead, to look forward, to be forward-facing in your thoughts, in your dreams, in your ideas, in your ways? Are you more of a reflection of where you've been than where you want to go? And if you are, it's not to say, oh, you messed up, you messed up. No, 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 we're not gonna accuse ourselves. We're just gonna say enough is enough. I wanna move forward, I wanna be better. I wanna be inner rich. I've seen people with money fall. I've seen people with money look like they have it all together. Yet, yet, when we fall in our minds, when we fall and feel like killing ourselves, it does not matter the money in our accounts. We just want to be freed from the pain, from the hurt, from the anxiety, from the shame. Look in here before you try to look out here. Because focusing on things and neglecting your inner self is the quickest way to possibly become rich. But you're going to be poor in here. And one of my mentors says this, do not get what you want then beg for what you need. Baby, you don't need that Birkin. You need peace. Can I just come up in your street? You don't need <laughs> that Birkin. You need peace. You need peace. Yeah, we gonna get the Birkin, baby. But we also gonna get peace. Because what's more important? What they wanna see you with or what you at night wish you had? My God, give it to us straight. We want to see so many things in this earth, but at night, are you at peace with yourself? And that's something that only you can answer. And we just want to dissect our minds to say it's okay to have these thoughts, but we are not going to be a people that has what they want and begs for what they need and begs for love and begs for joy and begs for someone to make you happy. In what lifetime? Would you not be happy that you would want to just get someone to make you happy? That might be a whole nother conversation in itself. That we have people out here looking for someone to make them happy when God is saying, just you and me, when we are alone, this room should be filled with joy because I've given you an inheritance of peace. I've given you an inheritance of love. You can be radical in this moment and decide never to look back in hopes of getting a redo, or you can be radical in this moment deciding to never look back in hopes of knowing you may not get to redo what brought you shame, but you will be able to look forward to all that God will do with your new opened and repented heart. And that's what we are going to end today with. That all it takes from a moment of shame to make it joy again, to make it gladness again, is to repent. And sometimes when we hear repent, we can get so spiritual that it's just like, wait, what? What am I supposed to do? Repent simply means to turn around, to turn around, to change your mind about something. 
So right now, you have the ability to do that. And I'm going to read scripture, and then we are going to pray over our minds and say, shame, get off of us, because it is not your portion. All right, y'all. So I'm going to start by reading from Psalm 51. And I just want to give you some background on Psalm 51 before we read. Psalm 51 is called A Prayer of Repentance. And this is a psalm by King David. And at this time of his life, he just committed, I guess you would say, adultery. And he slept with another man's wife. And it says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, after he had slept with another man's wife. And the story didn't stop there, y'all. The Bible is spicy, okay? The story did not stop there. After this, he slayed the woman's husband, who was one of his army men. Killed, gone, finito, because David did not, he, he was scrambling. He didn't know what to do. So not only did he sleep with someone's wife, but then he slayed the man afterwards. And what we love, I love about David is that no matter what he went through, he always knew God still loves me. I can do the most heinous act and God still loves me. And God still loves you. Whatever you've done, whatever you've been through, God still loves you. It doesn't say it was right, but it's under the blood of Jesus, when you call out to him and you repent, he still loves you. So I'm going to read just one verse from here. Psalm 51, verse 10. And I would advise you to go back and read the whole psalm and pray this over your life. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We're going to go to 11. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Hallelujah. And I want to pray this over everyone listening, that a new heart, and in the Hebrew language, the word heart actually means mind. So he's praying, God, create in me a new mind. After the shame, after this blame, after what I've done, after what's been done to me, create in me a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. So, Father, we pray that whoever is on the other side of this screen would receive the new heart that you have for them. And if you feel comfortable, just open up your hands and say, Father, create in me a clean heart. And God is going to take over from there. As I read our last scripture, which is Isaiah 61, verse 7. Instead of shame, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Amen. God is saying to you, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in your portion. And your portion is what you have. Your portion is what you have, what you've been given. 
So instead of the feelings of shame, God is ready to replace them with joy, everlasting peace, everlasting grace, and grace is something you cannot earn. I know sometimes it looks like it. If I go to church, will I have grace? If I read my Bible, will I have grace? The homeless has grace without anything attached to them. The adulterer has grace without anything attached to them. The billionaire has grace, even if he went from this zero, hundred to zero, whatever you want to say, with nothing, with nothing, grace is yours. With nothing, grace is yours. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And I feel like we live in a time where people want to earn God's love. They feel like they got to hustle up on it. What do I got to be to be good? There are things that you can do right now, just surrendering, that God will say, wow, after all that, you came back to me. We are living in a time where we got to turn back to God and say, I may not be perfect, but God, I don't want to miss out on what you have for me, on how you want to bless me, on how you want to keep me. So guys, we're just going to end out with this word today. I will not be led by shame. My future is bright. My future is filled with hope. And I am open to receiving my clean heart. I love you guys. And I know that the best is yet to come. It always is. Stay hopeful. Don't allow any feelings of shame, of blame to stop you from enjoying and living in the now. You've got this. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.